Yes, sir. We are back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for stopping by and chopping it up with me. This is Lathan Lightfoot, and this is the Of Things Eternal podcast, where our goal is and will forever be to level up our biblical literacy so that we can be equipped with the tools to discern truth from lie, doctrine from deception. (laughs) Again, thank you so much for stopping by. Yes, yes. So today is going to be a very, very interesting episode. Uh, And it is a doozy. I'm telling you, it's a doozy. It's interesting. Uh, I was listening to uh, one of my favorite podcasts, listen to the Bible Thinker podcast. Shout out to Pastor Mike Winger with the Bible Thinker podcast uh, for all his work that he does. Uh, And as far as breaking down a lot of the theological implications of false teachings uh, and helping exposing them for what they are. And that's right in line with what we do here at Of Things Eternal is just helping people understand, again, uh, where we can go wrong with our interpretive methods, right? And just simplify it and break it down to just basic literacy, right? Biblical literacy. The Bible is literature. Again, we talk about this every week. Every week, the Bible is literature. That's what it is. It's different types of literature, and and our job is to recognize the different types of literature so that way we can, again, be more equipped to tell the difference between when someone is intentionally or accidentally accidentally trying to deceive us uh, or when someone's actually giving us the truth, right? So, again, this is going to be an interesting episode. Uh, one of his, uh, one of Pastor Winger's videos popped up on my feed, and I was checking it out. Uh, and one thing that it made me think about uh, was a passage that I've I've read over and over again. One of my favorite favorite verses uh, it comes from Second Timothy, Second Timothy four, chapter three, Second uh, Timothy four, verses three and four. Uh, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That is a very telling and interesting verse. Uh, In fact, and that comes from the ESV, uh, English Standard Version, and the CSB, the Christian Standard, it says, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. Now that, you know, again, that's, it seems like that's where we are, right? Like that's what it seems like. Uh, I take that back. That's where we are, right? That That's where we are. And I've gotten, we've gotten to the point to where we can't necessarily excuse uh, the false teachers as much as we used to, because the information is here for all of us to be able to to look at more thoroughly. And it, it's really sad when you hear uh, some of these false teachers, but what's even more sad is when you hear the congregations, right? You can hear people laughing and clapping and the whole nine. 
Uh, it's just, it's super, it's super interesting to me, right? And I'm sure it's interesting to you as well. Uh, now, this isn't going to be like, so I heard this sermon, uh, uh, past, Pastor Mike broke down a sermon, and again, we're not going to name names here, we don't do that. So Pastor Mike broke down this sermon uh, from a gentleman in an affirming church, you know, the the parentheses, the affirming church. Uh, what does that mean? You know, I, I was just talking about bro DT the other day, and I was just like, man, I would just love to get in front of one of these these pastors of an affirming church, right? Like, what does the church affirm? I mean, I, I, obviously, we know what it affirms. We know what the whole term affirming means. Their acceptance of certain lifestyles. But what's interesting to me is that, like, who dictates? what gets affirmed and what doesn't, right? <laughs> like, who draws that line? Like, how can you affirm this, but you don't affirm that if you're affirming? If you welcome everybody, but you still isolate certain people, right? It's, 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 it's so weird. But what I find even more interesting, and again, I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush, but whenever I listen to one of these these talkings, I'm not going to say sermon because it's not a sermon. Uh, for one of these talkings from these guys who claim to be pastors, who claim to be Christians, like you hear some of the most, man, some of the most heretical and blasphemic stuff you could possibly hear. And what Pastor Mike showed us, showed me was this, uh, or us rather, not just me, we're talking to me, I, you know, I, isolated, obviously. I wasn't on the phone with the guy. But anyway, uh, in his podcast, what he was showing was how this pastor, well, this guy, I'm not going to call him a pastor, this guy of this affirming church, and he absolutely mutilates John 3.16. Mutilates it. It is unbelievable what this, what this guy does to John 3.16. Now, again, I'm not going to go into the deep theological uh lies, mistruths in his sermon or his talk. Uh, we don't do that here, right? Maybe I should start a different podcast where I do dig into the theological implications. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll do a second podcast. But the purpose of this podcast is, again, just basic biblical literacy, right? And understanding uh, genre, understanding grammar, understanding you know, just basic things that we learn in, in grade school can help us identify this stuff, right? Because that's what it is. It's stuff. It, it, it just, it reeks of Genesis 3, right? It reeks of the Satan, you know, when he came down with his, with his, his twisting of God's word, right? Uh, just a little twist here and there can change the, the entire meaning of what God was relaying to to his audience, to his listeners, his listeners being us. And it was just really, it's really, really just, it's not something I used, that I get angry about. It's not something that I really get worked up about, but it is very, very interesting when you hear stuff like this. So uh, careful, be careful whenever, like for me, this is my personal opinion, right? This isn't anything that, you know, whatever. My personal opinion is whenever you, listen to a quote-unquote sermon from a quote-unquote affirming church. You know, for me, I'm just like, be careful. 
slow down and listen, right? Slow down and listen. So, so we're, we're gonna do, we're gonna dig into this, uh, and we're gonna see exactly what was being said, what was you know, what was said in the sermon. Uh, but of course, for just a moment, Salah. Yes, 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 yes. So the first thing I want to establish uh, real quick is the two different types of biblical interpretation. And I know we've talked about this before, but I want to iterate it again. So there's two basic ways you can interpret scripture. You can, you can interpret it exegetically or you can interpret it eisegetically. Now, I've had some conversations with some pretty, with a pretty popular affirming pastor uh, who's, who, during our dialogue, he said something to me that I found super troubling. He, he said to me, uh, and this is direct, right? This is me and him talking to each other. He said to me directly, all interpretation is eisegetical. All. He didn't say, you know, he said all interpretation is eisegetical. And what we're about to see with these definitions of exegetical, eisegetical, uh, that's a very, very troubling statement that this, uh, I really don't want to call the dude a pastor, right? Because that kind of taints the name pastor. But anyway, this pastor, uh, and you all know exactly who he is. I'm not going to name his name, but he's the guy that said Jesus was racist, right? Yes, he and I had a dialogue back and forth, uh, and it was super duper interesting. So the first thing we want to establish is the two styles, the two types of biblical interpretation. There's exegetical. Now, what exegetical interpretation is, is when you read the text and what, you, what all of us do every week on this podcast is we read the text for what it is, the literature. We recognize grammar, literary styles. We recognize figures of speech, personification, all these different things. We take the information that's given to us on the page and we derive meaning from what it says. Sounds pretty simple, right? You take the text, read it over and over again, recognize the type of literature, the genre of literature, recognize literary forms, recognize figures of speech, recognize grammar, all these different things that go into reading what we do every day, just reading literature for what it is. And we use that information that we get from reading what the Bible says and we derive meaning from what the Bible says. That sounds super simple, right? However, it requires a little word called trust. Can, do you believe that you can trust what the scripture says? And that's a foundational, that's foundational uh, to how you interpret scripture. Do you believe that the scripture, do you believe the Bible, do you believe the words on the page can be trusted? The other type of interpretation is eisegetical. That's what this pastor said to me. He said that all interpretation is eisegetical. And, and you know what? And when he tweeted that to me, when he, he, uh, he DM'd me that, he put that in all caps, by the way. Every, like every dialogue he and I had prior to that was basic writing. You know, you, you capitalize the first order of a sentence lowercase, that particular message he sent me, it was in all caps, 
all all interpretation is eisegetical. Eisegetical interpretation factors in bias. So you come to the scripture with bias. You come to the scripture with presupposition. You come to the scripture with an idea already in mind. And you start to cherry pick verses to try to justify the presupposition you've already come to the scripture with. Now, we talked about this back in the day when we looked at Deuteronomy 28.68. If you want Deuteronomy 28.68 to be a foretelling of the transatlantic slave trade, you can see that, right? But when you apply basic literary principles to Deuteronomy 28.68, you understand that it's not about the transatlantic slave trade. That's the essential difference between exegetical interpretation and eisegetical interpretation. Eisegetical interpretation is you already having an idea in mind, and then you start to cherry pick things to justify or validate the idea you brought to the scripture. You brought it to the text. You didn't get that meaning out of the text. You push, you're pushing a meaning into the text. Very, very different. It's also the difference. That also highlights the difference between a topical sermon and an expository sermon. An expository sermon is looking at a passage. We're going to talk about John 3, 1 through John 3, 15. And you start to dissect verse by verse what that passage is talking about. That is expository teaching, which is exegetical. The alternative, of course, is a topical sermon. And we've all heard the topical sermon. We probably, most of us probably still hear it every Sunday, right? Where the pastor or the teacher has a main idea or a point or even a title to his his or her sermon, right? He has a title. And the goal of the sermon is to find a bunch of verses, uh, Ignoring the context from where the verses come from. Ignoring if the verses are even connected within the grand scheme of things. But you want to find a bunch of verses that sound good and fit with the title of your sermon. That's an that's a topical sermon, an eisegetical sermon. Right? And that's what this guy, whatever, pastor, whatever you want to call him, that's what he was doing to John 3.16. And this is what Pastor Mike was uh, was talking about on his podcast. I think it was like this is like what a week ago, about a week yeah about a week or so ago. His, his most recent one of his most recent episodes. And so, when we look at John three sixteen, and this dude, y'all don't understand. This is a doozy. This is a doozy. <laughs> We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's what it says from the ESV. In the CSB, John 3.16 reads, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So we have the framework, right? We just read John 3.16. In two different translations, 
and they both, you can read them both slowly. They, they're saying the exact same thing, right? So just to kind of give you a framework of where this pastor is coming from before we dig into a couple of his main points in the sermon, I'm taking quotes from this dude. And like, and like I say, every week, I'm not making this stuff up. This is real. These, these are real quotes from a real sermon in a real church from a real guy. Right. This is what a couple of things that he said at the beginning of the sermon. One thing that he said I thought was telling, he said he was trying to quote Jesus when he said, Jesus says that you talking to you is is in the congregation. You are all sons of the most high and you are all gods. I'll pause for a reason. He said that Jesus said. Yeshua says that you, the audience, us, that we are all sons of the Most High and that we are all gods. There was somebody else that said something very similar to that. His name is Joseph Smith. We're not going to get into that. (laughs) Something else that this guy says at the beginning of his talk, which I found was just like, I was like, what? And again, this is a quote. This isn't me making this up. He says that it is not about becoming a Christian or accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. He said that's not what what the Bible says. That's not what the Christian faith is about. He said that this isn't about becoming a Christian. And that it's not about accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. This is how he started the sermon. And that kind of gives you a framework for how he's looking at John 3.16, right? He's looking at John 3.16 through this lens. Through the lens of, it's not about accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It's not about becoming a Christian and that we're all gods. We're all gods, little g gods, right? Later in the sermon, he goes on to say that we're all divine. Not going to get into that now. Uh, again, the theological implications of this are vast. And I'm telling you, I'm long-winded as it is. If you get me talking about the theological implications for what this guy was saying in the sermon, I don't think this podcast would ever end. I don't think this episode would ever end. I think we'd be talking about this for days because it's, it's, yeah, yeah. So here's three of his main points in this 13-minute sermon concerning his reinterpretation of John 3.16. Again, we just read John 3.16. We just read what it said, but this is what he's saying. He's saying that John 3.16 does not mean, does not mean that a lack of belief in Christ equals condemnation. He also says, he also concludes that since Jesus is speaking in the third person, that it's reasonably, that it's reasonable to conclude that he's not speaking about himself when he says things like son of man. 
And finally, he closed his sermon with a reinterpretation of John 3.16, where he says what John 3.16 really means is God so loved the world that he infused it with his own DNA. I ain't making this up. That's what he said. Salah. So, one thing that I always, always, always encourage everyone that I have the pleasure of and, and privilege of speaking with about the gospel and the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of God's word is I encourage everyone to read the Bible. That's number one. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in church and I've seen the pastor speaking, giving his sermon, and literally no one in the congregation has their Bible open. Literally no one. No one is actually reading or trying to validate whether or not what the pastor is saying is actually true. They're taking it on, well, they're taking it on faith, right? But faith in who? Faith in Christ or faith in the pastor? Right? That's the difference. And what happens is, is when you leave yourself susceptible to somebody else's interpretation without looking at it for yourself, that's the road to heresy. Right. And that brings us back to Second Timothy. That brings us back to Second Timothy. And we have to to be able to tell whether or not we right, are seeking false teaching because it sounds good. So are we seeking it out? Because at the end of the day, every false teacher that you hear, every false, like every deceptive teacher that you hear is standing behind a pulpit with a congregation. So it's not like these guys are talking to themselves. We're listening to these people and we're entertaining it. And some of us, unfortunately, believe what these fools are saying. And that's crazy to me. So let's look at his first point. He says that John 3.16 does not mean a lack of belief in Christ is condemning. Right? So real quick, again, read the passage. Read what it says as literature, as just basic reading. We see the context of John 3.16 is John, John chapter 3, where Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, is who he's described as. And Nicodemus is asking questions about how one can enter the kingdom of God, how one can be saved. Jesus goes into the idea of being born again, right? The idea of, of uh, dying to yourself, dying to the flesh, being reborn into the spirit. This is what he's talking about. 
So for this pastor to say that John 3.16 is not affirming that a lack of belief in Christ is condemning, well, all you got to do, all you got to do is go two verses up. Two verses up. John 3.14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So the implication is, is if you don't believe in him, you won't have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I'm not understanding. I'm not understanding how these conclusions are being made if we're exegetically interpreting the scripture. Exegetically meaning, again, reading it. That's it. Reading it. What does it say? John 3.16 doesn't mean that a lack of belief in Christ is condemning. Well, John 3.15 says that. So how did he come to that conclusion? I have no idea. That is how we can determine whether somebody else is deliberately misinterpreting scripture or if it's accidentally. Because guess what? One verse up is contradicting what he's saying. One verse up. That's it. One verse up. That's it. He made the claim that not believing in Christ is not condemning based on his interpretation of John 3.16, but John 3.15 says it is. His second claim was that since Jesus is speaking in the third person, it can be concluded that he's not talking about himself. <laughs> Again, let's read it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now he's saying that since he's using these terms, you know, John 3, 14, as Moses lifted up, the son, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So he's saying that these, these third-person terms lead us to believe that he's not talking about himself. Right? He's not saying that you have to believe in me. He's saying that you have to believe in the Son of Man, which on his interpretation is us. So we have to believe in ourselves to be saved. We don't have to believe in Christ. Remember, again, <clears throat> this guy's mindset is it's not about becoming a Christian or accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That is his framework for coming to the conclusions or how he's interpreting this one verse, John 3, 16. Keep in mind, we're not talking about theological implications. I haven't even gotten to that, and I'm not going to get to that. We're just reading what it says. Now, again, the claim is that since he's using third-person terms, he's not talking about himself. Read John chapter 3.
Read John chapter 3. Jesus is clearly talking about himself. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. That's John 3, 18. Why am I doing that? I'm illustrating the point that we do not have to go to 15 different verses in 15 different books to derive meaning from what this one verse says. We don't have to overcomplicate it. This is literature. We don't have to overcomplicate this thing. Read the whole passage. Son of man is a title. Just because he's using a title doesn't mean he's not talking about himself because he uses singular words throughout the rest of the passage. Him. That's a singular word. Only him, only son of God. He's talking about one person. He's not talking about us. He's not talking about everyone. Him using third person language. Does not lead us to the conclusion that he's not talking about himself. Because the rest of the passage, everything else in this passage is telling you that he is talking about himself. Or at the very least, he's talking about one person. He's not talking about a multitude of people. So again, how does this pastor, this guy conclude that the third person language means that he's not talking about himself? because he doesn't want it to conclude. He doesn't want it to mean that, right? He's brought his own mindset to the scripture. He's already made a conclusion before he gave the sermon. That's eisegetical interpretation. Having an end in mind before you get the information. You already have an ending in mind. You've already had your title of the sermon. You already got your main point. You didn't get your main point by using the scripture. You came up with a main point and then you're trying to find scripture to justify that main point. In this guy's case, he's not even using scripture to justify his main point. He's winging it. He's going out on a limb. He's making things up. But it sounds good. It preaches well. His third point is his, re, well, one of his points, his concluding point was his reinterpretation of John 3.16. And he rewrote the verse. For God so loved the world that he infused it with his own DNA. Now, again, I'm all for recognizing metaphors and recognizing you know what I'm saying? But we're not going to insert metaphors into the text and then act like we're interpreting a metaphor, right? 
God does not have DNA. I'm, I'm not going to waste a lot of time on that. God isn't a human being. You know, it's it's not even really worth talking. It's not even really worth digging into that, that, uh, that third conclusion. Specifically because he, through his own admittance, he's rewriting the verse. And I love uh, how he ended. He says, this is what Jesus was trying to convey. Now, I'm not going to get on the soapbox of this the idea of quote-unquote progressive Christianity versus evangelicalism and all these different things. But one thing that I will say about the topic is the idea, the implication of using the title, uh, I'm a progressive Christian, implies the insufficiency of what already exists. That you know more than the authors knew about what the authors were actually saying. And I love how he ended it. He says, this is what Jesus was trying to convey because he knows more about what Jesus was saying than Jesus knew about what he was saying himself. Uh. <laughs> Salah. Yes, sir. So <laughs> I pray that you learned something today. I pray that you benefited from what you heard. And again, this is just a taste. Uh, like I said, I, I wasn't doing a deep dive into this sermon. I wasn't doing any kind of theological implications, but just helping you see that all you got to do is read, right? Just read. And and a lot of the, the lies that are being told, uh, can be easily refuted by just reading one ver two verses up, two verses down, and you can spot, you know, the inconsistencies, right? The Bible is God speaking directly to us. Always remember that. And again, the matter of trust is something that you have to wrestle with, with internally. Do you believe the Bible can be trusted? Do you believe the scripture can be trusted? If you do, then you're in a position to where you can incorporate exegetical interpretation to your study. If you don't, you have to rely on eisegetical interpretation to derive meaning. And that's really as simple as it is. It's as simple as it gets, right? There's no need to overcomplicate the text. There's no need to mystify what the Bible says. God has supernaturally written this literature in a way that we can understand it. He used human literature to communicate his word to us. Keep it simple. If we break it down into just basic literature, understanding literary forms, understanding metaphors, hyperbole, understanding genre, understanding all these various things, then we can come to correct interpretation exegetically and derive meaning from the text by letting the text speak for itself. That's it for today. I appreciate you guys for joining me for another episode, another one. We made this happen again. I sure appreciate it, guys. 
Uh, again, hit me up with any questions. You can reach me on any form of social media of Things Eternal on the gram, at Lathan Lightfoot on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. I've, I've never seen anybody that says Lathan, whose name is Lathan Lightfoot on Facebook, just mine. So it's a pretty easy search. Uh, you'll see the uh, Things Eternal logo. That's how you know it's me. Uh, so again, send me any questions, anything you're wrestling with, anything that you're confused about, let me know. And we'll work through this thing together. And we'll get this thing going. Praise God. Uh, be blessed through the rest of your day, through the rest of your week. And we'll see you later. Salah.